Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories, a series of unique interviews with successful people in many fields. Leaders who are innovating, building, and guiding organizations with a higher vision. How they put their values into practice to achieve the full potential of themselves and their organizations. Now, here's your host for IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Everybody, this is Kirsten Gouldy, and I am here with my partner, Mark Stinson, for another episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. We are so excited about our guest today, who is the true embodiment of this word IntelliKey that I know Mark likes to talk about and bring up because we're having a lot of fun with it. But you know, IntelliKey meaning the ability to achieve your highest potential. And then also going a little deeper, your highest soul potential, what it really means to be alive and thrive in today's world, which is uniquely difficult and yet uniquely um, really has a lot of ability to do it. There's a lot of possibility. And I think our guest today really brings that to the forefront of what is possible and where we're going and how we got here. And so I'd like to turn it over to my guest, Mark Stinson today and who will be interviewing our next guest. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, this idea of IntelliKey and leadership going together, you know, it, this has been a perfect time while we've been, you know, isolated, quarantined, distance, all these things, to really look inside and see what is our potential. Uh, our guest today is Liz Lewinson. Uh, hi, Liz. Welcome to the program. Hi there, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, Liz is an award-winning writer. She's a speaker. And also, you know, some contradictions. She's a technologist. Uh, she's a former PR and journalist and writer. Uh, she's also a, a meditation teacher and a feminist. Uh, and we're going to talk about all of those and how they come together in this beautiful pot and we stir it all together and, uh, and come out with what we have. Liz is the author of a couple of great books, Women, Meditation, and Power, and another book, uh, The Power of the Loving Man. She's also the vice president and treasurer of the Frederick Lenz Foundation for American Buddhism. And uh, as part of that, wrote a terrific biography uh, of the founder of that called The American Buddhist Rebel. So we've got a lot of uh, topics to cover today, Liz, and we're just so glad to have you. Thanks. Yeah, and so as we think about these times, as we uh, can maybe uh, describe them, you know, what, what have been your observations about how we've been looking inside and how this idea of maybe introspection and meditation and uh, thinking about things other than just the busyness of life, how have those affected us overall? Well, right now, it's interesting because we are in touch with about, oh, about 150 Buddhist groups, but not just Buddhist groups, groups that are teaching meditation and mindfulness in, in secular areas uh, like schools and prisons and hospitals. And what's interesting is that interest in meditation has never been higher than right now. And I think that's a, a wonderful thing because I believe that everybody should meditate. And it's whatever you call it, I wish sometimes it had a different word, you could call it green socks. <laughs> you could call it 
orange poodles, whatever you want to call it, that sort of doesn't build up resistance. I think people need a way to stop all the jabber of the thought and experience inner stillness, and they can do it with meditation technique. So I think what's happened, and same for me, if anything, is that I find of all the noise of the news, which I actually try to shut up quite a bit, I feel too much fear and, and all kinds of strange emotions that are coming through there besides fact, all kinds of other things. Shut that out and just turn within and find your inner stillness. This is actually a situation that brings that up, tests it, and proves the worth. You can absolutely stabilize yourself in the midst of all this and chart your course and continue to get inspiration if you meditate and practice some mindfulness. So on every level, this is an interesting, it's a terrible time on the one thing that this is happening, but on the other hand, in terms of actually encouraging people to look within and find other resources, it seems to be amazing. Every, yes. every one of our uh, grantees is reporting more participation than they've ever had before. That's, that's terrific. You know, you used the word inspiration, and I think many times people think of inspiration almost like motivation. Like if I could just get an external, you know, slap on the side of the head to get motivated. But you're really saying from inside, we get this inspiration. Talk more about that, if you would. Sure. Um, inspiration. You know, it's, it's so interesting, Mark, because I feel every person, all of us, and I use myself as an example, we've all been so imprinted with somewhat limited, sort of depressing ideas about ourselves and a lack of self-worth or self-confidence or just, oh, someone else is doing it, but I can't. But when you actually meditate and feel this inner stillness and you start to just separate your own inner being from all this yakety-yak thought, you find out that there's a person inside you that's just this quite limitless, it's, it's, and from that source of a kind of much greater happiness, and, and I'm not being metaphysical, I'm not being metaphorical, it's true, a greater sense of happiness and non-judgmental feelings about yourself and others, inspiration starts to come, because one of the things that stops inspiration are just old ideas, it's like, oh, they're so buried. Oh, I can't do that. I won't do that. This isn't possible. I think this. I don't think that. It's all like stuff sticking to you, like stuff. And when that starts to kind of melt away, which it does through a meditation practice, you get inspired. You'll just know, you'll look at something you never even noticed before and go, wow. Can I just tell you something? Just before this, even I'm telling you, I just had a new inspiration about 10 minutes ago. I was looking at all the recent literature on women leadership and the women leaders who are really doing such a brilliant job in, and with COVID-19. And it just gave me all these new ideas uh, for new writing and a new perspective on female leadership. And I think whatever anyone is interested in, the way you have these insights come is feel always like it's open for you and then do your meditation to clear out the old stuff that's yes. your mind. Yeah. And so one thing I also heard you say, which I love, right? Because I really work with executives at a high level for performance, 
but combining these practices at the level of performance as well. So there's a natural flow, right? But you talked about charting your own course. And in an old paradigm, I'll call it, you know, in the, in the patriarchal paradigm, charting your old course actually caused death, it caused illness, it caused a lot of exhaustion because we were less in flow and more in doing. And now as we move over, we have the ability to chart our own course in direct alignment with something greater than us, right? Is that what you're talking about in that? Yes, that's absolutely part of what I'm talking about because you know, when we work on teams and with other people, there's certainly um, an interaction there. But I think every single person on that team still has to go within and find their own motivations and inspirations. And they should be in a situation where if it helps the team that they can share it, but it may have nothing to do with the team. It might be something offline where they're having, they might be stepping toward a new goal over time. It's, but it will make them happier and more enriched. And when you have more people interacting like that, everything is lifted up. I mean, there's a mood, there's a psychology, then it means you're creating a ground state for more group, group inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it's this patriarchal idea. The idea of patriarchy tends to be suppression, right? Mm -hmm. There's one way and that's the only way and everybody else gets kind of held down. That's just plain bad management and it's bad leadership. Yes, yes. Well, it's so interesting that uh, your, your two books that we've been talking about, uh, Women, Meditation, and Power, and the companion book, I suppose, Power of the Loving Man. You know, this idea of power, it sounds like a competitive power. It sounds like a, I, I need to be overpowering uh, but but maybe unpack that a little bit and explain what, what the kind of power is you mean. Thanks. Yeah, that's a really good point because I define power. I explain what I mean by saying I looked at the most powerful thing I could find in this world of ours, and that's actually nature. Because when nature feels like it, you know, nature just kicks the butt of humans. <laughs> yes. Just, you know, you want to hurt <laughs> Not much it. you can do against nature. Exactly. A tsunami. What do all these things have in common? The way I define power is change, fluidity, and movement. Mm -hmm. Because that's what power is in nature. So if you have a little light wind, there's no particular power in it. But when the wind really speeds up and it collaborates, you know, it starts to be with other winds in certain conditions. You have you can have a Cat 5 hurricane that'll mm. just flatten everything in its path. If you have, every time there's some a powerful phenomenon in nature, in fact, like you look at a dam even, or how electricity and power is generated, it's water rushing through a dam, through the chutes. And those, the water, the power of the rushing water then will keep turning some turbines and you end up with electricity generated. Movement does that. Look at all those windmills they're building now, the big tall ones. It's movement of wind that generates the electricity and the power. So I say, and actually fission, nuclear power, is when they've learned how to split the atom and what happens in the power that's generated at that moment 
So I'm saying that power, you're right, we all have this funny feeling about power, it makes us uneasy because we think of it as domination and control. I say, and this is what you see in the women leaders right now in the COVID-19 uh, crisis, it's fluidity, change, and movement. And if you can act quickly, it's like Jacinda Audrey said, go fast and go hard. That was her response. And you know what? She was so right. And that is what power is, but it's combined with this uh, greater sense. You know, there's a sense, obviously, other qualities of science and knowledge and education and collaboration, all the things they've learned and studied now about women leaders all come together, but really change movement and fluidity. That's my definition. I like that. And I guess uh, to, to our earlier conversation, Kirsten, even talking about, you know, the, the rise of feminine power, you know, that, that I guess it's not a, a single sum or, or, you know, one sum game, that if you have more power, I lose power. Um, and, it, and is that the conflict that some of us are feeling right now? That's exactly uh, right, Mark. So that's exactly right why I wrote The Power of Loving Man. Because <laughs> I'm saying, yes. You had to say something to me. Otherwise, I think <laughs> I'm losing power. <laughs> no, I agree, but that's human nature. All humans love power. And um, all humans actually, slight uh, change, but... You know, all humans try to destroy what they are threatened by. That's a truth. Interesting. And so over centuries and millennia, um, you know, we know there have been different cultures at different times. But let's say like at the last five years, it would appear that men uh, threatened by the power of women, because it's innate power, fast movement change, mm -hmm. try to suppress it in every way. So if you look at history, and I was a history major, politically, economically, socially, education, uh, every single aspect of female power was down, down, down until women began to believe it themselves. And so it's really only recently in the last few decades that this is starting to emerge and only in the last few decades are we even studying women scientifically. That's how pathetic this whole thing became. So, but back to the question is, everyone wants power. So I am pointing out that power is innate in women. It's in this faster, fluid, more uh, quickly changing nervous system and subtle system that we have. And I point out in my books that just physical facts about women, menstruation, more greater sexuality, uh, more orgasms, greater longevity, uh, all the faster things they're finding now as they study women are actually what is power in this definition. What's in here for men? Well, I'm saying what got repressed in men and what is also an incredibly huge power. And that's this quality of loving kindness. If I had to rename the book, it would be uh, the power of the, perhaps I would just feel people are so blocked up about love. Maybe the power of the kindly man, <laughs> but a part of you that you know, Mark, that was bullied out of you, right? When I, I, I don't even know you, but I, if you're like, if you talk to, when you were seven, eight, or nine, you know, you were not encouraged anymore to be sweet and kind and loving to people. You may have made it through that period, but most of the men I talked through talk, did not have that experience. They had to toughen up. And when you toughen up, you're lowering, you're deadening your emotional responses 
And I'm saying, and this, this I heard actually all of this, the core of it came from a Buddhist teaching, that men are innately uh, compassionate and they are innately uh, built, not so much for this power, raw power thing that women are, are all for and express, but a little bit more contained, a little bit more like a grid-like uh, or network quality around themselves, perfect container for this higher quality of love. I'm not talking romantic love. I'm talking a higher, beautiful, permeating, mm -hmm. effervescent love that everyone on the metaphysical side actually says is one of the strongest forces in the universe. So men are not getting the short end of the stick here. And that's what I'm conveying in the power of the loving man. And I think that that one is really getting more pushback because a lot of men don't like the, they're not, I have found that even though love, it just loves a beaten up word. And it's also a word that has so many levels. You probably heard that in, in Greek, there's like 10 different forms of love from mm -hmm. Eros, which is one, you know, we all like to have fun with. And then to agape, which is universal love, but in all these forms in between. And I agree with that. And I think we wouldn't be so mis miserably upset to see the word love <laughs> on a title mm -hmm. if we understood that the qualities of love, which I talk about in that book, are so vast and men are so brilliant at it then uh, they haven't had a chance to explore it. So women have been shut down in their power and men have been shut down in their loving kindness. Hmm. So Liz, I have a question. If you were to point to the embodiment of each of those, right, the woman of power with this fluidity that you're talking about and the adaptability, and a man, who would you say are examples or embodiments? Like what, who can the audience point to as two examples? It's a pretty good and challenging question. Um, I feel like um, for men, I would, I think Barack Obama got, has gotten close at times. He's been very open with his loving nature and obviously still leads. Um, I think there are not a ton of examples. Um, I think certain people have hit it at different times and are starting to talk about love mm -hmm. more. And um, I think in my book, I quote from Jay-Z. <laughs> he decided to save his marriage. Okay, I'm now in love with you because I love Jay-Z. <laughs> well, he, he started to talk about love, right? Because yeah, he did. He had not been given, I like, I quote him because he said, he had never been given the tools to love. And then when his marriage was about to break apart, he decided maybe it was time to learn. And uh, so those, um, I think I'm, I'm someone like a Nelson Mandela, not with us, but someone whose persona is not this blustering, because that's not power. That's just completely, um, against nature to be honest it's, it's it's really a bad problem if if all that type of energy is mixed in and on the female side again i i feel like there are more women now exploring and expressing power i think 
back to let's go back to Michelle Obama. You know, I liked how their marriage was. I felt like she was very empowered, and I feel like some. I'll, I'll bring up Jacinda there because I was in New Zealand when she was running for prime minister. She was. I'm telling you, if someone opposed her in those debates, whoa! <laughs> just, I loved. Her. She was so tough. She was really full spectrum, and I think that's what you should have if you're certainly a leader. You want to be intuitive, which she says she is. If you remember, there was a shooting in New Zealand about a year ago in, in a mosque, and she was praised again for her leadership. She went right there with a scarf on her head, and she was hugging people, and she said, openly that it was her intuition to do that mm -hmm. and that is critical so if a man says you know men have just been have all these qualities as well and if a man meditates and a woman meditates it all equals out but when these qualities of if, if a woman is just ending up sort of deciding she's going to fall back into a pattern of kind of Oh, I, I don't want to make change. I'm a little nervous about it. So I'll just stay kind of mostly embarrassed. Yes. It's man says I'm afraid of my feelings and showing love or kindness. Because what I found in Mark is the people, one, the, what they're most of the men were afraid of, when, especially when they were growing up, this was interesting, uh, was male violence. Yeah. That if right. they showed kindness and sweetness, it's, a male would, would really attack them. Yeah, and I think that's what I wanted to explore more when you were talking about, you know, really bringing out these uh, innate loving, and let's substitute your word kindness for that. But uh, even I was in a discussion recently uh, at a work meeting, and this idea of emotional intelligence comes out. Mm -hmm. And they immediately go, oh, you mean soft skills. It's like, well, why, why was that soft, you know, to be smart and responsive and caring and you know, but there's these hard skills, like that's the good stuff. And now, oh, now I have to have soft skills too. You know, what? <laughs> so I'm trying to, to keep, un, I guess, unwrapping this idea that, you know, you're giving something up, like you're not as hard or tough of a leader. You know, you, you can't be soft and be a leader. Um, and you're really describing some examples, you know, out in the world of people we know that maybe exhibit different kind of qualities. I think it, there should be more and more people that have that softness and it display it. The, um, you know, I'm watching Gavin Newsom in California because I think he's trying to do a good job as a leader. I will say that I think he has a really smart, capable wife. <laughs> and, um, I don't think he comes across like Mr. Macho Man. He's just a straw he can deal with. I think there's a slow, slow uh, change to allow men to be uh, more, more diverse. But, you know, I was reading also just in prep for this to remind myself, and there's a Harvard Business article, you probably know about it, where this guy wrote six years ago that the reason he thought more women weren't promoted 
is that they were promoting men, but the men were not as competent. And they were, the women with the great competent skills were just not getting the promotions because of these old biases. And part of it is linguistic. And you mentioned soft skills, so that's a good word to talk about because look at the word effeminate. Doesn't that seem negative to you? Mm -hmm. But according to my definition, women have the power. And that was what I learned years ago from a Buddhist teaching. Women are the power people. You know, that's the difference. Women have, what's the difference between men and women? Buddhist teacher said women have more power, period. So what does effeminate mean in that context? In any context, effeminate should be a compliment. If someone says to you, Mark, wow, you're really coming across as effeminate, you should be able to just look them right in the eye or the Zoom. The Zoom camera. Say, gosh, thanks. <laughs> hey, that is just like the coolest compliment. That means my power is up. Interesting. So Liz, you have, um, my background is corporate. I come from Wall Street. So, so you're describing a world I know very well. I left last June um, and moved into a different world. But my question for you is, what advice do you have for women? Because you yourself were in technology, which is my background, very male dominated, right? We're starting to see a shift, but not really. Um, you were from a tech background, public relations, communications, and then you have this Buddhist training. What, if, what do you have for women as they're going through? This is a shift, so culturally, and I will say even, you know, with, the, with what's happening in our country with our leadership at a presidential level, right, all of a sudden the old behaviors became emboldened. And they became louder, like you said, there's a fear, so it's festering throughout corporations. How do you, yeah, I guess what's the, how do you support, like what advice do you have for women and for men going through this transition? I, let me start with the women because I think the women, as we know from the statistics, are not as much in, in places of leadership. And um, I would say that, I would look around where I am. I would say I'm, collaboration is one of the best things for women that if there's any other women that you work with and you've never talked about this before, why not get together and say, how can we change things? Because our goal is to help our company. We have the skills and the insight and the training. Everything is on our side. Go check out go read Forbes and look at the list to go to the Harvard Business mm -hmm. Review and look at the list where women are rated higher than men. And see, even if you, if, see if you can go in together. I, that's one of the main, I think that is one of the assets that could happen because in most cases, if a woman is completely isolated and sticking to herself and surrounded by all male uh, leadership, it's not working for anybody and they should be aiming to wave the flag for the company. And I would say the same approach for men. I mean, I think that with men, no one wants, no one wants to go down in their job level. I wouldn't suggest that, but I would say to bring a new level of kindness and to do a more conscious job of helping the women go up the ladder and really being aware of their skill sets. 
In other words, that fear of promoting women, that just has to stop. <laughs> it's really, it's wrong. And it, it, it's going to lose money for the company. So I think that it, it's really individual. And I know where I was on Wall Street, there were some really powerful women and there were some definite women leaders there. I would reach out to those that did make it and, and, and just ask them for help. Mm, that's great. That's great input. Yeah. I think most of the women where I worked, I worked for year, a long time, like a you know, financial firm, most of the women in the top positions, if they got a nice little email from three women in the tech department who just politely said, hey, we think we're running into this one. Can you help us? The answer would have been yes. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, because you've been talking about this collaborative nature. You know, that it's like we, we do want to get together. We want to help each other, you know, lift each other up. That's more or less what you're describing. It'll help. I do because it's harder by yourself. It's not that you cannot do it, but I, even those examples I give you from nature, one little breeze on its own doesn't move the blade of a windmill. It's really, um, using that example, it's the, it's the quality that you have. And I believe that you, you see that sometimes, like I believe in Canada now, you see that picture there's nine women who are heads of medical groups there and they're the ones handling the, the COVID-19 response. And when I look at that and I hear that they're meeting almost every day and they're discussing and one of the things that's brought out in this literature about women leaders is that they don't have the male ego thing that they're and, and partly that's because of less self-confidence when they were growing up. So by the time they get to a certain age, they don't have this, um, you know, sense of wanting to compete or batter quite so much. And again, there's always going to be some exceptions, but the the findings are, I'm not making this up because I just did some reading. Um, <laughs> the uh, finding is that women have a stronger ability to collaborate and it's partly because of a less of a defensive attitude. Hmm. So um, if I were a man, you know, in management, I would be putting all of that to work for me. I would be, you know, separately encouraging men to just, who've now been at home more with their families than they've been for a long time. I hope it has developed a change in men mm -hmm. that might be a little bit more things uh you know understanding of this different quality of love i have to believe everyone who's been successful has not only uh, you know turned within there's meditation but there's also finding a deeper quality of appreciation and gratitude and you know you have to love a little bit where you are and who you are just to be more on a survival mode mm -hmm. And, and when we reached out to you to uh, join us on this podcast and mentioned that it was called IntelliKey Leadership Stories, um, you're not alone. You know, it's like, let's run to Google to look up the word IntelliKey, right? Right. Um, but what, what's your interpretation now that we've been talking about these innate qualities? If, if IntelliKey is the, our human potential that's already inside of us, um, what would be your take on this in relation to leadership? 
I think the most successful leaders uh, that I know of have this inner quality that they rely on. So here I am in, you know, in a tech world, one of the most successful companies, just for example, is Salesforce. And the head of that, Mark Benioff, just he literally, if you go to their homepage, it's all about meditation and mindfulness. He's such a believer. I believe that IntelliKey is critical element of leadership. It has to be adopted. It has to be ingrained. And I think it, it creates less of a barrier between this, you know, when we're talking men and, and women, there, the, of course, there's no total di dividing line. Where the thing merges and melds is on the level of intuition and uh, of course, loving kindness is in women and there is power in men. But we, we want it to be a little bit more evened out and shared. And I think that's part of what, you know, we're talking about a different approach to, so that leadership should never be somebody making anyone's life patriarchal, dominating those, those qualities that people associate and not incorrectly. And by the way, you know, religion has been patriarchal. Buddhism has been patriarchal, meaning that, you know, I mentioned earlier when we were talking just, um, just an example, Tibet, Tibet did not treat the women in religion well. Those nuns that came to those temples were treated terribly. They weren't given the right teachings. They weren't, they weren't treated well at all. So, so you have wherever you look in churches and this and that, the other, this, this very hard-baked notion that women are inferior. And that's what the leadership in general has to bake, get rid of, like dump. And then say, well, what is happening that we think is going on with women? Intuition. Okay, I'll take on more of that. Uh, more collaboration, more communication skills, more willingness to think outside of the box. All of these stuff, all of these things. When did mindfulness become a practice for you, right? When, how did that relationship start? Mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, most people, when you learn meditation, mindfulness is a company, but I have that. So that started, but I use it sometimes more than others. Uh, for me, mindfulness is just catching yourself when you're seeming the needles tilting more toward negative emotion. Mm -hmm. Again, there's another great thing for leaders, male and female. So that I, one very simple thing you can do then is just nice breathing. Like, just deep breath and follow your breath in as you intake and out as you exhale and try to have no other thought. And then if in again with no thought, and you can picture some beautiful light around you as you do that. In and out. If you do that a few times in a stressful situation or a situation where you're dipping into emotions that seem negative to you and they drain your energy which is proof of negative emotions then try mindfulness so i've been doing that for a long time and i have always found it helpful in business because when everyone else is freaking out <laughs> you the mindful person can stay calm 
That's right. That's right. That is the premise of Confucianism, right? Through the chaos becomes your ability to harness your own potential, which right. I think is happening right now with COVID-19. It's a real ability to go deep inside. Like you said, find your center and chart your own course right at the very beginning. I think if we're really present to where we are, we have the capacity to create something beautiful. How do you see these practices elevating both male and female, right? It's really about a human existence. We coexist for the betterment of all. So with this, you know, finding your center and charting your own course and really tapping into IntelliKey, what do you see as possible for our future coming out of COVID-19? Well, my rosy picture is <laughs> that uh, we'll start with women actually do get to lead more and get recognized for their leadership qualities because that will actually help everything. I think it will help heal the planet because I think there's been way too much of this domination and control thing. It's, 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 it's just devastated our world. And so that I, I feel that uh, I would like to see kinder interactions that more overt love and kindness and support is shown overtly afterward, that there is a openness to long-term, because, you know, just from a long-term problem solving that could include viruses like this in the future, I'd like to have more respect for nature because we see it coming back a little bit and we're all in awe of it. So I would love to see just a more, this is the rosy picture, uh, in, integrated and more helpful and kind view of how we all relate to each other and less of the violence and anger. I'd love to see more people continue to meditate and practice mindfulness. That's beautiful. Great picture. Mm -hmm. Well, Liz, uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. We have really enjoyed uh, talking with you. And I, I think you've given us some, some new knowledge, to, to uh, some new awareness of some maybe uh, topics and issues and traits that we can all aspire to. But uh, I, th I think attitudinally, I've shifted. You know, I really understood what you were talking about power uh, more after the conversation, that it wasn't so much uh, this kind of confrontational power, but you know, elevating our qualities uh, as individuals. And then I think your, your practices and your uh, techniques and uh, steps that we can take in a daily world, uh, all very helpful to us. And we appreciate that. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah. Well, our guest today has been Liz Lewinson. She's a uh, award-winning writer of two books. One is Women, Meditation and Power. And the other is Power of the Loving Man. Uh, she's vice president and treasurer of the Frederick Lenz Foundation for American Buddhism. Uh, she's been a, a freelance journalist and, and publicist and communications professional, and uh, obviously given us a lot of insight on uh, meditation and uh, the power of feminism. So we appreciate that conversation. Thank you. And Kirsten, thanks for uh, bringing up these topics and uh, sort of elevating this conversation that I think we've all needed to have for a long time. We should continue it. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate And Liz, I do appreciate all that you're doing for women and supporting women leaders because they're, it is a time that we do have the ability to stand and to rise. 
but to be in the full embodiment of who women really are, right? Which is love, family, like you said, community, right? When you go back to the ancient old ways, that's, that was our role. Mm -hmm. We really supported the whole, not the individual. So thank you. All right. Very good. Well, thanks for joining the conversation to our listeners. Uh, we look forward to having you again on our next episode. Uh, most of all, if you have comments, questions, suggestions, uh, feel free to drop us a, a note. Uh, our thanks as always to Scott Shepard, who's our engineer, helping us uh, record and edit the podcast. If you ever need any uh, audio, video production, TriPoint Studios is the place to go. We appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. So until next time, here's to your IntelliKey as you grow as a leader in your own life. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintelliKey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. IntelliKey Leadership Stories is produced by TriPoint Studios, copyright 2020. Views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the TriPoint Studios or its other members. You can find this and other TriPoint podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.